Hey, welcome back to another episode of We Don't Give a Shift. It's Jimmy, Brian, and Mark. And today we're talking about something we've already kind of covered just a little bit, and that is social interaction. All right. Well, I'll jump right in. Uh, yes, we have mentioned this before. Um, I think the main focus today is what can we do taking a look back and finding some of the positive aspects of more traditional interactions with each other. The big thing is, is get away from the social networking, you know, via the internet, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I know there's a whole bunch of other that I'm, I'm not really aware of, uh, TikTok, some of those things. Yeah, they're entertaining, but Mark brought up a really, really good and interesting point on a previous podcast talking about how there's a lack of face-to-face interaction. And uh, we were just sitting back having a little brief discussion before we started the podcast. And some of the things that we want to get into from the social interaction, one of the most important things that we looked at historically when we were in our youth was sports. Um, starting all the way from when we were little kids playing, you know, a little sandlot baseball or just getting in the neighborhood kids around. But then how that translated later into, you know, some city leagues, bowling leagues, neighborhood teams. And Mark really has a little bit of experience in that. And we're going to go ahead and let him talk about some of the positive aspects and the things that were generated from those types of activities. As a, as a kid, uh, young kids, I should say, in grade school, sports was a, a mainstay back then. People were more interested in sports. I mean, in school, uh, elementary school, I played football, basketball. I ran track, and in the summer, we had Corey League baseball. Well, I mean, I was constantly busy with uh, kids my age, and, and we got formed a lot of bonds, and, and we were able to um, keep those bonds all the way through our lives. Actually, I keep in touch with a lot of them that I used to, uh, sit, you know, go to school with back in grade school even. And then as I got older, we had uh, during the summer, you know, like Brian said, sandlot baseball or stuff like that. We'd go, you'd have your own little neighborhoods because your parents didn't want you going, you know, four or five miles away or anything. And it was in a small town anyway of less than 8,000 people. So everybody pretty much knew everybody. Your parents knew almost all the other parents. They went to school there, high school there. Not not too many people moved very far away. They grew up in an area, and they pretty much stayed in that area. There wasn't a lot of uh, movement around the, to different towns or cities. I mean, so the parents that you, the kids you played with, actually would uh, be able to uh, talk to your parents about anything you've been doing or was going on if there was something bad. But most of the time it was all, hey, you know, come, they can come over here and play, you know, today and have a good time. So, I mean, face-to-face is the only way to uh, get a good social interaction and, and uh, be uh, able to read uh, read other people. You learn a lot of body uh, skills for body language uh, uh, by talking to somebody and they give you a kind of a weird look. And this translates later on in life and you learn at a young age that you know hey you know he don't quite understand what i'm saying because he's giving me that deer in the headlights or a dog turning his head a little sideways going like what what are you trying to tell me well you can pick on up on that and then re uh say what you're you know in a different light or a different way to explain to where they can pick it up so i mean you learn these skills at a young age and carry them all through your life and there's a lot of that i don't see anymore because, of, especially in the younger generations, because they grew up on video games, uh, 
technology, like Brian said, chat rooms and you know online and stuff like that, that they don't pick up a lot of skills that they need later in life, but I guess they don't need them if you're never going to have an interview face-to-face. <laughs> uh, you, you, earlier you were talking about a good story about you drowning and your mom, or almost drowning, and your mom found out about it before you got home. Yeah, I was uh, 16 at the time. I was working detossing corn back then because that was before the hell, this GMO and everything else when they changed things. But I was uh, detossing corn. I was probably 50 miles from the house. I was staying with my aunt and uncle so I could, you know, do the job for summer. And uh, it was during flood stage, having to be in a ferry channel. We would, at uh, noon hour, go swimming because it was, you know, 112 degrees in the cornfield in, you know, August. I kind of got out too far, got caught in an undertow, and I was yelling at my cousin and trying to, you know, he thought I was kidding because I was actually a good swimmer until I called him every name in the book for him to come out there. Another guy came out there and rescued me and got me to shore, but uh, I I was, you know, passed out for quite a while and was come back too, but before I even got home, we're talking 50 miles away. I never even went home. I went to my aunt and uncle's again. But 50 miles away, before I even... Nobody left the uh, job. There was no nobody left. Nobody went anywhere. It's how I don't know to this day. I assume if somebody drove by and seen something. But to this point, she knew before I even got back to my aunt and uncle's. She had already called on the phone before I got there and wanted to talk to me and wanted to know what happened. How does that happen? I mean, the Internet, you think, is fast. Not according to back then, because word to word, word to mouth to mouth, and word spread like wildfire. Everybody knew before I even got home. Yeah, I had a few instances where I was driving from high school home after after school, and I went too fast or something, spun my tires. You know, on these and these were dirt roads, so it's easy to do. My parents knew about it before I got home. You know, like we heard that you were driving like a maniac. <laughs> I'm like, what? No way. You know, I only goes- do that on the weekends. <laughs> That goes back one of the things we talked about, but a sense of community. Uh, you know, you have social networks and you have these little groups that everybody gets involved in or group chats or group messages. But really, that's a step away from what we used to have when we had more of a sense of community where, you know, your neighborhood your neighborhood members looked out for each other. And, you know, hey, watch my house. I'm going to be gone for the evening or for the weekend or my kids running around the neighborhood playing, and you know the the other neighbor down the street would keep an eye out, make sure nothing unsavory or out of the ordinary was going on. And now we seem to we're so much more connected with technology, but yet we're in this little bubble or this shell where we're not willing to look out for each other. And I think that's one of the things that we can take a step back and say, you know, historically. And we're not talking about 100 years. We're talking about 10, 20, 30 years ago. People were more involved with each other. You knew your neighbors. You knew what was going on. And you looked out for one another. And I think that we're getting away from that now. We're staying in these tiny little bubbles where, you know, do you even go outside and wave to your neighbor? Do you talk to your neighbor when you maybe, you know, check the mail or taking the garbage cans to the uh, end of the road? Strike up a conversation. Let's work on some of these social interactions and build a sense of community. That's what people used to do to make friends. Hey, do it today. There's no reason not to. Know your neighbors. That way you know who who's there and who's, you know, they're, they're watching out for you all the time. If if you make friends with them or at least acquaintance, get to know them, get to know who they are, what, what kind of people they are. I think a lot of 
issues that I have with uh, media is the fact that when they're reporting stuff, they're trying to sensationalize stuff. Oh, your next door neighbor is a pedophile, or the guy down four blocks down the street, or this guy over here is accused, not found guilty of, of doing something bad, whatever it might be. But if you know those people and you've talked to them and everything, then you know where you're coming from, and then you can trust maybe having your kids out on the street playing. But as it is now, the way people are, they're, they're scared to death that somebody's going to come and steal their kid. Or, or Well, it maybe would happen or could happen, but not if we knew our neighbors and knew everybody, because everybody would be watching out for everybody else. It, would go, it went without saying that people, our na- your neighbors back then, would, would keep an eye out on everybody. And you had uh, what my uh, dad called WWs out in Arizona uh, in this uh, retirement community. Call them WW. And I said, what's that? It's a window watcher. There's always old people watching out the window, keeping an eye on everything and telling people about what's going on. Whether, you know, they're just, uh, can't think of the word I'm looking at. But, but uh, gossip, spreading gossip sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're wanting something to talk about. And uh, so they're always wa- watching out the window. Yeah, so I remember we also used to know personalities of everybody's dogs. We knew who, who had the mean dog and who had the, like, John Button. We'd go ride our bikes by his house. We knew that we had to look out, you know, where the dog's in the fence, you know, if they weren't, if we could drive by there. Now, he had three dogs total. I don't remember this one dog, but I know the big German Shepherd was a sweetheart. You, you figured the big German Shepherd be the mean dog. No, he was a complete sweetheart. He had this dog named Rusty, which was some sort of, oh, he, he was rust-colored. Some sort of shepherd, and that was just the meanest dog I'd ever met in my life. That thing would chase you, and he'd chase you for a long ways. You're a long way past her house, like half mile, before he'd give up. But you know, everybody like, oh no, you know, okay, the German Shepherd's out. It's okay, or oh, there's Rusty. Not go find another way. We can't we can't ride our bikes this way. So you, the story is, you need to know your neighbors and get to know people, and then you can trust having your if you have kids. You can trust having kids outside or you can trust leaving your house and somebody keeping an eye on it for you when you're gone. Now, and another thing about it is uh, nowadays people are, are quiet. You know, they, they might see what happened at your house, but they don't say a, uh, a damn thing about it because they don't want to get involved. Well, that's because of the fact of a small group or a small things happened and I'm going to say the media picked up on it or sensationalized it. And then now you got, you know, where this guy got sued because he spoke up and said, you know, this guy did this. And then they, they turned it around on him and, and he ended up, you know, in a bad light because of the, that fact when it wasn't that way at all. But it only takes one of those stories to, to taint or to sour anybody from taking a chance, anybody from taking a risk. Nobody takes chances anymore. Nobody wants to, to talk to their neighbor in case, oh, he might, you know, be bad or something. But you're not going to know unless you talk to him. Yeah, that brings up another thing. It, it goes back to just a sense of community. Uh, when you know your neighbors and talk to your neighbors, you develop a friendship. And that can lead to other things. Like uh, Jimmy had mentioned in a previous podcast, we were talking about the, the Meetup app where you can find people who have common interests as you and then in your town, in your neighborhood, and you can come together and, and participate in those activities. Well, that's something that you can exploit, and you talk to your neighbors and you figure stuff out. You know, one of the things that I thought was really neat, and it was really common in the 70s and 80s, 
where guys would get together in the driveway and sit there and work on their car, and like everybody in the neighborhood would be given a hand. And even if you didn't have experience or a knowledge of it, you'd go hang out and you'd learn something, and then you develop a friendship that way. Or then when your buddy needed a hand, you were there to help them. And that goes to just one of those things of when, if you know your neighbors and you develop a relationship with these people and you know that you can trust them, they can trust you when, when you need something, you need help, you can reach out and know that, okay, they're going to be there for you. And then it goes vice versa. And if you do that, you're going to build a really good sense of community and a lot of the problems that we face in society now will, in some ways, diminish because we will hold each other accountable and we will say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a good guy because I want to be in a good neighborhood and I want to be that type of person that others can look to for help and depend on. So, you know, the point of this is is to find ways not just to criticize what's going on in society, but find a way to improve our society. And that's why one of the uh, main focuses of this today was to how will we improve social interactions, face-to-face interactions, and a better sense of community. And uh, we're called, we don't give a shift. Uh, The thing is, we work shift work, so it's a lot harder for us to create uh, those groups and uh, those relationships because a lot of times, like say, by chance, your neighborhood has a neighborhood uh, barbecue and you're able to block off the street, which I've only seen once, but I was working, of course. It seems like we work on the, on the times that these things are going on. Like, uh, I've got to work days this weekend, and they got a like a wine-type beer food trucks of over 200 food trucks in a town close to us this weekend. I can't go. It's, it's, by the time I get off work... And get home, it's it's over with. So, I mean, it's not an all-day event, but it's like from 1 to 7. I get off at 6, so I really haven't got time to travel. It's not very far away. It's only maybe 20 miles, but we have a harder time of doing it, whereas a lot of people can build these bonds easily and quickly if they just try. And they don't need to have a social... Uh, group on the phone telling them where to go, when to go. You just you know, listen to uh, other people, radio. I mean, of course, you can look and find the stuff online if you really know where to look. I personally don't know where to look, but I heard this on the radio today uh, before I came over here. So, yeah, you need to build a bond, and it'll you'll be a lot more fulfilled in your life with other people in it than you are whenever you just go to work or home. And on social media, I mean, it's just a, it gets to be a lonely life, even though you got family and <laughs> with us work friends, because we don't get a whole lot of social interaction. But uh, that's the way I go. What do you got, Jim? I don't have anything. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Is this, is this talk been shifted? Yeah, yes, it's been shifted. All right. Bye, everyone.